calling all denizens of the dark, mavens of mayhem, and champions of chaos. Lock your doors and listen close. It's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lies, Spies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Network. I'm Terrence McCauley, and today we are very fortunate to have Matthew Betley with us. He is going to tell us a little bit about himself and a lot of the great thriller books that he's written in his career, as well as his latest thriller that's gotten a lot of acclaim called The Neighborhood. So please help me welcome to the show, Matthew Betley. How are you doing, Matthew? Hey, I'm good, Terrence. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who haven't heard about you or read your stuff. You've got the uh, great Logan West thrillers out there and also this one, The Neighborhood. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing. Sure. Uh, It's kind of funny. I've had a bit of a weird journey to get to this place. Um, For those who don't know, I'm a former Marine officer. I, I was in the Marine Corps from 1999 to 2009. I had worked in corporate America for five years after college. Before that, um, I was what's called a ground intelligence officer, where I was fortunate to command a scout sniper platoon. I got to go to the legendary infantry officer course. I deployed to, uh, I deployed to Africa after 9-11, and then I deployed to Fallujah from 2006 to 2007, uh, right before the surge, actually. And uh, you know, one, one of the key things that people who follow me know is that I'm a huge advocate for victims of burn pit from toxic exposure to burn pits because I have permanent lung damage. About a month after I returned from Fallujah, Iraq, I started getting sick. Uh, I started like, and when I would get sick, it would put me out for weeks. No, I, and, and as a supremely fit 35 year old Marine Corps captain at the time, had no idea what was going on. It took them two and a half years uh, to realize that I had suffered permanent lung damage from whatever I was exposed to. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I, so I got out of the Marine Corps in 2009. And even before that, uh, one of the other fun facts that people know, because I talk about it all the time, is I'm also a recovering alcoholic now, 13 and a half years sober. I actually used the military's outpatient rehab program at Joint Base Andrews to get sober where I went down there every day for five and a half weeks. And fortunately, it, it stuck. So, you know, how, how I became an author, though, it, it, and it's important to understand my time in the Marine Corps because it gave me the discipline to get my life together and to pursue right. what I wanted. I was on vacation with now my wife. Uh, I was six months sober at the time, and I was reading this boring bestseller, this international spy thriller. And I never gave the name of the, of the book away or the author because I'm not going to do that. But one person has figured it out. Anyway, it was recommended uh, uh, by Stephen King in an Entertainment Weekly. And I was reading this book. And when I got to the end, I was so frustrated because the the protagonist was so tactically incompetent. I was hoping he was going to get shot and killed. And I turned to my (laughs) wife because it, it viscerally made me angry. And I was like, oh, my God, I could write a better book than this. And I actually, that's all it took to plant the seed. I obsessed about it for an entire year. And then in 2010, I sat down, I bought a leather notebook that I still have, which has almost no notes because I don't use outlines or notes for all of my books. I just, I I know what I'm doing and I, and I go. 
um, I know, I should say, I know what I want to do. And then I go. And right. uh, um, I sat down and I wrote Overwatch, the first draft of Overwatch took me 18 months, eight days. And I, I shared it with uh, uh, the New York Times bestselling author, Christopher Wright. Turns out we had a family friend and he gave okay. me, he said, okay, you're, you have talent and you need to pursue this. And I was like, okay, good. And so right. I did. And what most people don't know is becoming an author is a brutal process full of obstacles that are designed to make you question yourself and quit. It is nothing yep. but a bunch of uh, checks and balances because it, it's like it's like getting into the Marine Corps. Like everything they do at Officer Cannon School is designed to crush you and make you quit. So right. it, it took me, I think it was 15 months to get an agent. Uh, with Overwatch, and I had sent out 92 queries. It was number 83 that came back and said, we can't believe you're not represented. This book's fantastic. We want you. And then it took my first agent another 15 months, and I landed my first multi-book deal with Emily Bessler, you know, one of the greatest editors in the business at Simon & Schuster, who had Vince Flynn, has Naz, Jack Carr, Brad Thor. And right. what's funny is I had no idea who she was because my agent was over the moon. She's like, you just like hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. And I was like, I, who's Emily Bassler? And uh, it was really <laughs> funny. So I, so I ended up with Simon and Schuster for my Logan West series. And, you know, I was very fortunate. Overwatch was nominated for the best thriller of the Barry Award for the best thriller of 2016. It was a Military Times top 10. And, uh, you know, I had four books in that series, as well as the origin story, Amira, that I self-published during the pandemic. Uh, and what's really cool is I just found out yesterday that got picked up by Amazon to be uh, in their Kindle Unlimited and Amazon Prime program. I just got it out oh, of the great. blue. And I was like, I self-published this book because I got so much. So readers wanted so much more on my that favorite character, Amira Cerrone. So, right. so, so that's a lot of backstory about me. Well, that's the best part about this kind of uh, format is because we want to hear more about uh, who wrote what and why they wrote it. So that's uh, this is all great information. Uh, I know you had a lot of great success with the Logan West thrillers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your latest one called The Neighborhood? Sure. Um, what, what I realized is that I wanted to write something to give readers who weren't familiar with my work, who hadn't read the Logan West series, uh, the full Betley experience. And what I'm known for is writing some of the biggest action set pieces and sequences in the, th the thriller genre, uh, which is really funny because as much as I love doing that, it's still all about the characters and the arcs that they go through, especially what I do to some of my characters over that those first four books in the Logan West series. That's actually right. the most important thing, but I also have tons of fun doing like just insane action sequences so I wanted to give that kind of experience to new readers. Now, the neighborhood, and as a result, I, a few years ago, um, my family, we were sitting outside in our neighborhood. We live in a nice middle-class community. And every year, the local fire departments come through. Somebody's dressed up as Santa, and they collect toys for the local toy drive and for Toys for Tots. And while I was oh. sitting out there in the cold, I thought to myself, what if these guys were bad guys and wanted to take all of us hostage? What would I do and what would we do? And that was the idea, the inception for the neighborhood. And, and what it's actually about is it's about a gated community 40 miles west of D.C. that comes under siege in the middle of the night 
by an assault force looking for something, and it turns into a super modern take and survival story, uh, a, a, basically a spy thriller with atypical characters, like a suburban dad who turns out to be more than a suburban dad, a 17-year-old <laughs> female uh, high school track star, and, and, and a cast of other characters. You know, her boyfriend who does karate. And, and they have to figure out how to survive this one night as this assault force is is looking for something. And and, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a relentless, emotional, uh, gut wrenching roller coaster ride in, in a contained setting. Right. Somebody described that, I believe, as diehard in a gated community. I'll, I'll take that comparison all day long. <laughs> I know that was one of my favorite as well. You also got some great reviews from people like Clive Cussler and Joan London and Meg Gardner, who's not only the author of uh, Dark Corners of the Night, but she also has Heat 2 out right now with Michael Mann. Yep, so in fact, uh, I, I, I was, uh, well, I was very fortunate. It turns out I'm in the acknowledgement section for Heat 2 because I gave her some advice on a tactical ambush and I didn't okay. even know about it. She had to text me and tell me. I have to give her a shout out because she just hit number one on the New York Times with Heat 2 yesterday. I, yep, I, I talked I to that. her yesterday. Meg, is a, she's a wonderful person and a, and a great writer. She is. She is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know her super well. We met a couple of times and I think we were on a panel or two, but she's always been a, a writer's writer, in my opinion. Uh, she really has been. So with the um, how has your uh, tactical familiarity uh being in the marine corps uh how did it help you really with writing the uh plot for the neighborhood did you try to strike the right balance between being too technical and having enough there for people to sink their teeth into how did that really go about come about so so there are authors who like to give a lot of weapon detail uh there are authors who give no weapon detail i kind of strike a balance whereas i'll tell you what the weapons are and then I'll tell you how they're used, and that's about it. I I, I don't need right. to beat you to death a, a, as a reader with details that you probably don't care about. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I do it. Uh, for me, especially early in my Logan West series, because I had just left the Marine Corps when I started writing that, those books are full of very authentic tactics, techniques, procedures, as we call them. And, right. and obviously, I've been around weapons my whole life. I own several. I still shoot. I was a weapons instructor at one point. So I mm -hmm. try and keep all of that stuff very authentic. Uh, anything I write in a book, I, I want to be able to do with practical effects if it were a movie. I subscribe to the J.J. Abrams School of Thought. Practical effects, no CGI unless it's, you know, impossible. Um, right. But so, so with the neighborhood, I thought, how would you realistically cut off a community and I did research on communications equipment and a bunch of other things. And I, and I, did, I, I realistically believe you could cut off a community even in today's uh, age for at least several hours before somebody realized what was going on. It could happen. Mm -hmm. So, and that, and that was, uh, you know, so, but when it comes to the weapons, as long as they're, they're using them accurately, that's what I care about. Right, exactly. Yeah, because that because a lot of times um, a writer, uh, especially with somebody with a lot of experience like you do in, in hands-on uh, events, they'll get too wrapped up in describing every single gun, every single weapon, every single aspect, and having the tactics so well done that they gloss over the uh, 
the essential part why people read the plot and the characters oh absolutely so. yeah no it's all it's everything's about the the characters and and the and the plot and the pacing especially for for me i i want to grip people from the beginning i want to make the characters relatable and i want to shake people for the entire length of the ride until it's over and one of the things I'm really proud of in the neighborhood is how I triggered the action. And I don't want to give it away, but there, mm -hmm. like, it's it's a very I, I've never seen it done where with uh, how I, how things all of a sudden go sideways the way I did it in the neighborhood. And, and I wanted to make that very relatable, relatable, and it's pretty gut wrenching actually. Um, but yeah, I, I want people to be able to relate to to the stories that they're reading that I'm telling. <laughs> Right. I think that's important. And I see a, a definite shift away from that in a lot of other thrillers that are really important now uh, and, and very popular. They're all well done, but it's always about the elite assassin or the Navy SEAL that he, not everybody can relate to. Uh, they're, they're great characters and they're great stories, but it seems like something like The Neighborhood is definitely the kind of story that people like me who didn't serve or people who have served are going to be able to find something to enjoy here. No, I, I agree completely. And that, and that and that's the point. Again, I wanted to bring in new readers who've never read anything that I've written and hopefully they fall in love with the story and they and they fall in right fall in love with my style and and and, and want to stay with me for as long as I'm writing. Right. I uh, I always look at these books as gateway books if you will. They uh, give the audience a little bit of a taste of your style and then hopefully they'll catch on to something else that you've written as well. Um, do you see this one as a pure standalone? I know it's away from all of your other, uh, it's, it's separate and apart from all of your other books, but uh, do you see a possible series with something like this or have you fallen in love with the standalone format? Uh, it, it's, it's potentially a series. I did write a synopsis for a sequel. Uh, gosh, I wrote the synopsis probably like a year and a half ago or maybe two years ago. Uh, I have to refresh myself on what the synopsis is. Uh, it's it's actually pretty pretty good. It revolves around the same characters, but it, it is hard. And it, but it's not going to be in a contained environment because mm -hmm. you can only do that so many times. You know, it, 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 is that going to get stuck at the mall now? Is it? You know, is he going to get? It's it's like okay. I, I guess they did it in Die Hard and it, with Die Hard and then Die Hard Two. Right. Am and I then it was supposed do... to be uh, Speed 2 was supposed to be Die Hard 3, and then it changed. Yeah, I get that. Oh, yeah. really? wait, really? The, on the cruise ship? I believe ship? so. Oh, it was my supposed God. to be on a cruise ship, yeah. And then uh, Bruce Willis didn't want to make that one, so they changed it around, and uh, they made it Speed 2. That's why, I, from what I understand, it was a, it was a mess, yeah. And, well, yes, and, and then with no Keanu Reeves, that was like, you know, that was it was horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was true. But you did have Jackie Gleason's grandson in there, I think. Yeah. He was in yeah. that one. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, not even he could save it. And Sandra Bullock's great, but it was just not a, a good a good premise for anything. But um, yeah, so I, it's good to, I think that the fans do enjoy reading a book like this and then knowing there's a possibility that the characters and the situation could evolve in the second book or future books. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I did, especially... Uh... Like I said, I wrote a synopsis. I think it's it's pretty a pretty good synopsis. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, obviously, what people don't realize is when you start writing a book, there are a number of other factors that come into play as to whether or not you continue writing. Uh, mainly sales. So sales seem to be solid, but 
it, it'll be up to my publisher, myself, my agent. Uh, those are all the things. That's why I tell people, I, I, and I'm shameless about it on social media. Hey, if you loved my book, feel free to please spread the word to other people because I'll take all the support I can get because I, I mean, it's my livelihood. It's what I do. So doing interviews right. like this, people think, oh, you're out there shamelessly promoting your book. Well, and I, my, my question to them is, well, what do you do for a living? Because this is part of my job. Now, granted, I love doing interviews. I love talking about it. I could do mm -hmm. this all day. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, right. But it's still part of the job. And, and, and what that means is that, again, it, as a reader, I know that like some of my favorite authors, I spread the word all the time. I still talk about, you know, hey, if you like this, you should probably check out this person. Because I know it makes a difference. That's how books kind of take off. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. And, that, and especially these days, too, online, it's oh. word of mouth. I think it's always been, but online, it's definitely word of mouth. And that's, uh, that's a, have you uh, been involved with uh, the best thrillers or uh, James Abbott's group? Uh, they do an awful lot of uh, reviews for thrillers. Uh, for people like Ward uh, Larson and a couple of and myself and some others, I think they'd be somebody you want to check out because they can reach an awful lot of yeah. No, they, they've well. they've actually they they've uh, they reviewed the uh, the neighborhood and posted reviews. I'm pretty I'm like ninety nine point nine nine percent certain about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, I'm glad to see that there's a growing uh, activity, if you will, among thriller writers to try to promote each other because it's uh, you know sometimes people say, oh, I love Tom Clancy. And uh, I love Robert Ludlum, but they don't realize that there's people still writing in that space. And like with the neighborhood, there's a lot of really good stuff being written. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, now for your uh, Logan West thrillers, are we going to be seeing any more of those in the future? Or are you taking a little bit of a break from that for now? I, I don't know. Again, I, 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 I wish I could say yes. I'd love to. I had, uh, I, I had the outline, not an outline, but the idea for where the next Logan West book would take place. Uh, mm -hmm. And no one's done it that I'm aware of yet. But, but, but I don't know. It, you know, it, it, I have a number of other things right now in, in the works, including the screenplay adaptation to The Neighborhood as well as the Logan West series potentially being looked at, well, actually being looked at for a potential series as well. So, and, and I'd be involved with both of those. That's awesome. And, and you're very lucky to be able to have that uh, kind of possibility for your work being developed. Uh, when we were prepping for this, we talked a little bit about the differences between writing a screenplay and writing a book. Uh, since you've actually done both several times, uh, why don't you uh, let us know what you your views are on the skill of each? So it's it's really funny. Um, I, I for for the readers who have never or the listeners who have never read any of my stuff, I have a very visual style. Um, I actually don't consider myself a writer. What I do is literally put on earbuds. I listen to my favorite musical scores by composers like Lauren Balf whom I'm fortunate to know now, who did like the Mission Impossible movies, uh, 13 oh, okay. Hours, 12 Strong. Like he, he's, an, he's an amazing person. And he's one of my favorite composers. So I'm listening to music like that. I'm literally seeing the action, feeling the emotion, hearing the dialogue. And all I'm doing is transcribing uh, uh, digitally what I'm experiencing. That's my writing process and has been now for 12 years. Um, 
And in fact, I just realized today's the 18th of August and it was August 18, uh, 2010 that I wrote my first words of Overwatch for real. So, hey, I just looked out and saw that like, no kidding. I just, as I was saying that, I realized that. So I should celebrate somehow. Um, You should. I I should. Um, But what what I'll say is uh, for the screenplay, there's a, there's a software program called Final Draft. I had to learn how mm-hmm. to use it. And what you have to do is you basically have to cut out all the descriptive detail that you give. In a screenplay, less is more. And it really comes down to the dialogue and describing the action uh, in as few words as possible. And right. so it's, it, you know, it's my, my screenplays have been anywhere from 100 to 120 pages. Uh, one of the drafts of the neighborhood because it's actually being developed. We we have a direct a director, a a list producer, this rising star female action director, as well as several other elements. And and That's I great. we had a screenwriter. We lost her to a major project. And then because I had actually written a few screenplays, my agent said, "Hey Matt, why don't you write it?" And they loved the the first draft. And now we're in the rewriting stage. Um, and, and as my director reminds me, because I now talk to her all the time, you know, great, great writers. And when it comes to movies, great writers are not great first drafters. They are great rewriters. So we're in that process. And then once we get it where we think we can get a list talent, like big names, then we'll go back to the studio and hopefully we'll be mo- moving forward with it. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I was fortunate in that I shared a couple of my screenplays. I, I, I didn't. I, 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 when it came to learning how to do it, I had a couple uh, people give me some very basic advice, but then I just learned by doing it and then getting feedback from people in the business. Yeah, because that's always something that comes up at writers conferences when you're talking to fans or other writers and people who haven't had their stuff developed, they'll always say, well, how come it hasn't been made into a movie or something and, or a series? And, and I always tell them that's a completely different world from publishing oh, it's, publishing yeah, its com- own and it's different entirely it is and, and, and but it's great because it makes you uh think about things because uh like no first draft ever survived and it's like in war no good plan survives first contact it's just like in, in developing a script no good script or survives first contact with a producer or a director they're like no let's do this let's do that and i'm like okay and you have to be able to take constructive criticism and then move forward with it otherwise you know you'll get frustrated but I've loved writing screenplays, to be quite honest. It, it's it's fantastic, and it seems to come na- naturally, especially to my style. Right. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a very cinematic style, and I've read Overwatch. So, yeah, that is a, a big benefit for uh, being able to translate your stuff from one medium into the other. But, uh, yeah, it's I'm always fascinated by people's journeys from uh, the printed word to uh, possible screenplay because they're they're two different disciplines doesn't mean you can't learn them like you did but it just isn't automatic and it's not just about taking out all the descriptives and just putting in the dialogue it's a much more involved process it it is yeah and when you it's funny because when you read a screenplay it's very you know bare bones a screenplay should be 100 to 120 pages max unless you're uh uh, Aaron Sorkin writing 180 or 300 page <laughs> screenplays like he admitted he once did. Uh, but, you know, today's studios aren't going to buy those, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, so when you look at it, you're like, well, this seems easy to do. 
but it's that's that's yeah it's not that easy because hollywood is looking for certain things in every script right and that changes also uh constantly uh there's trends that come and go before a work is even done and then come back into favor again so it's it's you, you can't write towards the market you just have to write what you've got exactly and, um, do what you can no, I agree completely. Like I've always written what I want to see. Uh, like I, when I wrote Overwatch, I wrote basically what I would want to read. And then the movies that I've written, I, I write what I want to go and see in the theater. You know, I grew up in, in the Midwest in Cincinnati. I, I was in the Marine Corps. I went to school in the Midwest. I consider myself, I've been watching movies since I was five. I consider and reading thrillers since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I, I consider myself in that 60% demographic that would like something that I would write or either in book format or a movie format. I really, right. you know, and, and, but we'll see, you know, in Hollywood, nothing's done until like the movie's actually being released in the theater. I Overwatch was, we had signed contracts for Overwatch uh, and our producer bailed on us to go work for Sylvester Stallone and didn't tell us until after the fact. And that blew up the whole deal, even with signed contracts. Yeah, I can imagine. I've heard stories like that for years now. And it's just, it's it's a completely different world from publishing. And publishing is fairly unpredictable itself. So it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, you know? it, it is. People don't realize, <laughs> yeah, unless you are big name like Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, you know, Lee Child, now Jack Carr. Jack's the only person I know who's been able to blow up the way he has yep. overnight. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way, but he had things already lined up before the Terminalist even came out. Uh, and, yes. and he's also a wonder, I mean, Jack is like one of the nicest guys. One of my friends actually served under him in his SEAL platoon for real. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, Jack, so Jack's a great guy. And, and I, 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 I love seeing the success he's had, to be quite honest. But he's an anomaly. It doesn't happen right. like that. It happens more like where I heard it took C.J. Box 11 books before he blew up into what C.J. Box is today. Right. Yeah. Connolly as well. Yeah. Michael Connolly with his Bosch series. It's oh, really? I did. Yeah. I see. I didn't. I didn't realize he was. He was another one. It's yeah. And just like Meg Gardner, she's been writing for 20 years. She never made the time New York Times until yesterday. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that was, a sh I was surprised to see that, but yeah, that she didn't make it, but uh, you know, she's definitely put in her time and she definitely deserves it. Um, and yeah. And Jack, I was on a panel with Jack once, I believe at a Bowser con and um, he was, he was really nice. We, you know, we didn't get to hang out, but he also didn't kill me. So I'm assuming we're cool. Um, yeah, because yeah. He, exactly. <laughs> that's what I always tell people. I said he didn't snap my neck, so I guess we're all right. Uh, but no, well, he probably do. He'd be do it with one of his uh, <laughs> tomahawks. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he probably, hopefully, he'd end it quick. But no, I'm glad to see him and Mark Greeny having an awful lot of success with yeah. with translating their work into uh, other media. And I know that people are going to be asking a lot about that kind of transference on other books soon so um we will definitely look forward to tracking your uh process and your progress with the neighborhood and uh, developing some of the other books that you've got out there um in addition to the um the screenplay writing do you have any other uh books that you're planning on uh launching within the next year or so i not right now i don't uh to be quite honest i'm sure fans are gonna be like what what yeah you should be right like well, you know, there are, there's only so many cycles in the day. And what, once these projects that I'm working on 
get put to bed or get to the next stage, then, then I'll have those discussions with my publisher, my agent, and, and, and see what the next thing is. Um, one of the other personal things that I want to do is I'm a lifelong video gamer since 1978. I'm 50. I've been gaming since in television. And I've okay. been, wanting to, I've been ri- wanting to write a Call of Duty for years. Uh, a, couple oh. of years a couple of years ago, um, my name came down. And I won't say the company, but somebody in the sports world became a fan of my books and put me in touch with the vice president of one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. And it came down oh. between an in-house writer and myself for one of the billion-dollar franchises. And I lost. And I was like, oh, oh. Wow. yeah. So I'm still, uh, and that was like, four years ago but i i at some point i intend to write a game as well just because i'm a huge gamer yeah yeah exactly right yeah and then the television piece out that was a long time ago you brought me back with that reference oh yeah yeah so <laughs> i remember all of those yeah and then the, the basketball game it was just a cursor going back and forth football yeah, you I had mean. to program the plays yeah oh no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> people today don't know the struggle they really yeah, don't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand. But anyway, well, thank you very much, Matt. This was a, a wonderful uh, insight into your craft and into your work. And I know we're going to be having an awful lot of really great things from you in the very near future with your, um, not only with your work on your books, but also on the screenplays you're putting together as well. Well, thanks, Terrence. I really appreciate you having me on. And what I'll tell people is uh, if they pick up any of my projects, just buckle up and enjoy the ride. Exactly right. That's uh, that's very clear on its face. So thank you very much. And it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope our our audience enjoyed it as well. All right. Thanks, Terrence. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye bye. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.